From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A big howdy to all of you who are tuning in on one of our affiliates across North America. Of course, the Conspiracy Show podcast, which is everywhere, the Conspiracy Show app, and the Zoomer radio app, the live YouTube stream. Those of you um, who are joining us in the live YouTube chat, however and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Just a a quick programming note before we uh, get on with things. Next week on the program, musician... Kevin Estrella, very interesting guy, rock musician, and uh, also is a contactee, he says. And uh, he has an album out called Pyramids on Mars, and he'll be here in hour one to talk about sound healing, and I presume we'll, we'll get into his alien or UFO encounters as well. Kevin Estrella. Hour two, evidential medium, psychic, and medical intuitive Carolyn Clapper will be here. All right. We are told that this year could be the worst flu season in history. Medical experts are bracing for one of the worst flu seasons. The main flu strain for this this season is H3N2 virus, and it is said to be more deadly than wine flu. Now, it's pretty widespread, about 46 states, according to the CDC. The National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and other organizations are calling for the development of a universal vaccine. And uh, I had John Rappaport on, oh, several weeks ago, and we were talking about flu and how the flu vaccine this year, I I believe they're saying it's about 10% effective. But then John Rappaport was telling me about this article by Dr. Peter Doshi that appeared in the British Medical Journal. And get this, this is again in the British Medical Journal, Dr. Peter Doshi or Doshi, writing that each year, hundreds of thousands of respiratory samples are taken from flu patients in the U.S. and tested in labs. Here's the kicker. Only a small percentage of these samples show the presence of a flu virus. And this means most of the people in America who are diagnosed by doctors with the flu have no flu virus in their bodies. So they don't have the flu. So I guess by logical extension, if you assume the flu vaccine is useful and safe, it couldn't possibly prevent all the flu cases that aren't flu cases. So in other words, the flu vaccine couldn't possibly work. Again, this is Dr. Peter Doshi writing in the British Medical Journal, as reported by our good friend John Rappaport. All right, well, the point is, the flu is out there, or whatever it is that's getting a hold of people, and it's it's nasty. And uh, some of you may like to may, may choose to take the vaccine. Others would rather shy away from it and give it a very wide berth. But there are alternatives. That's the point. And um, I have known this gentleman, I think, well over 20 years. And one of the books that um, I first sort of became acquainted with, and, and and his work was called "The Cure Is in the Cupboard." This came out about 17, 18 years ago, and uh, it's just recently being reissued along with a CD, um, an audio CD, the audio CD version of The Cure is in the Cupboard. It's been fully revised and expanded, and, uh, and the cure that we're talking about, the most ancient medicine of all, we're talking about, of course, wild oregano, and it's not just for the flu. 
as we'll learn over the next 40 minutes or so. Dr. Cass Ingram is a physician, researcher, the author of over 25 books, including How to Eat Right and Live Longer, Nutrition Tests for Better Health, and The Cure is in the Forest. Hey, Dr. Cass, welcome back. Hello, hello. Great to be back, my friend. Likewise. Are you familiar with the Dr. Peter Doshi? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Tell me about Doshi. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, this, that, I was just referring to this article that he wrote in the British Medical Journal, and this is where they take respiratory samples from flu patients in the U.S., hundreds of thousands of respiratory samples, okay. and only a small percentage of those samples show the presence of a flu virus. I think that's a very important point because if you uh, you then just randomly treat these people with cortisone or Tamiflu or antibiotics and and various antipyretics, in other words, to suppress the fever, you don't know what you're dealing with. You're going to suppress the immune system that much further, as well as the flu shot just you know constantly pounding away. And then how do we know that these people are not dying from immunosuppression as a consequence of medical intervention? If you start to study the cases of fatality, which I've done, I've published a couple articles on it. I have mentioned it, obviously, in the Cures in the Cupboard in the new book as well, the uh, Doctor's Guide to Oil of Oregano, 101 Uses. I do mention that, but in some of the op-eds I've published, I've laid out the fact that most of the fatalities this year, I mean, how do you have a child die from the flu anyway? Come on. How do you have, you know, a healthy athlete or a 50-year-old lady or a healthy adult male drop dead? So these fatalities are associated with bizarre illness where there's liver failure, there's encephalitis, there's coma, there's extremely high sudden illness with a fever of 10506. So this is much, much, I mean, there's more to this than just malaise and aches and flu. You're right. However, do you know what they're associated with? The flu vaccine. Hmm. Now, whether or not the flu vaccine gave them just the flu or more immunosuppression and corrupted the system somehow, and then they go in, they get antibiotics, they get Tamiflu, the immune system gets more, you know, whacked. The second thing is there are some fatalities uh, associated with Tamiflu. Giving antibiotics uh, seems to be, then there's some sepsis. So once again, you know, the number one cause of fatality in the Canada the United States can be traced to medical intervention. Excessive use of drugs, excessive use of antibiotics, sepsis in hospitals, pneumonia as a consequence, drug-resistant germs. It's more complicated, like you say, than just the spread of a potentially pandemic flu virus. But some of the people are getting sick from H3N2, which is... You know what? It's a pig virus. Mm -hmm. And the only way you're going to get that pig virus easily is to get vaccinated. That's the number one component of the vaccines being administered this year. They actually inoculate the chicken embryo egg with live embryos growing in the egg with porcine virus, which is taken by swab from some pig somewhere in China. And then they make this soup. I don't want the immunosuppression soup. It's dangerous enough out there. God knows what you could run into without forcing it into your system through an inoculation. Let's assume for a moment that the flu vaccine is effective. But if you're cultivating it in a chicken egg, isn't the vaccine mutating inside the chicken egg? 
you've got a mixing bag in that chicken embryo egg. You're right. Not so the vaccine. I'm sorry. I meant the flu virus would, va- would, yeah, would mutate. Yeah, that the vaccine virus is going to be in a brewery in the chicken egg. That's correct. So it's going to mutate. It has to mutate. In fact, the CDC says, okay, it's a mutated virus from the vaccine. That's what's killing people. That's what's, I mean, that's, that's why people are getting so much flu. So it's in there. It's mixing with a chicken flu virus. It's mixing with other pathogens. And, yes, it has mutated in there. So you've got part pig, part chicken virus. And then you want to make another mixing bag. You inject it in a human. It starts festering and fermenting in there. It said, I don't know if it's true or not, I'm, what I'm telling you is true, but it said that the president's wife blocked anybody from getting the vaccine because she doesn't want shedding to occur on her child, and actually that's a very real issue. Hmm. You cannot get the vaccine, but there are cases on record, there was a woman whose extended family all got vaccinated. They got sick, but they survived, and she was caretaking for them, caretaking. she suddenly got sick and died. So the mutated virus, if it gets then into a human and then mutates in a human and picks up human genes, that's when you can have the big pandemic. You can't diagnose that one. So you might say they die from something else, but you can't pick up the mutation anyway. Right, right. I guess my point was, though, that if the vaccine is intended for one particular strain, let's say it's the H3N2, but then it mutates, so by the time you take the flu shot, you're not being protected against this year's seasonal flu virus because well, that's it's, it's... well established that yeah. there might be 50, 60 mutations during the flu season. Mm. It's silly to think that the flu shot... But you know what the sillier thing is? To expect that if you inject a bit of formaldehyde, mercurial compounds, thimerosal, aluminum salt, squalene, aspartame, pork gelatin, pork H3N2, chicken virus, and some dog genes from growing it on dog kidney cells and fetal embryonic cells, therefore a little cannibalism by injection. It's a bit silly to think that injecting that's going to do anything for anybody. You know, I've been on the planet a long time in the medical field for 30 years. I've never recommended a flu vaccine to anybody in the world. And everybody knows that I'm a strong, healthy guy, despite some of the things I've gone through, you know, picking up the Lyme disease in the woods and all that. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to hurt anybody. Although I don't think what I'm saying might not be going to hurt me, you know. <laughs> well, listen, we're, we're going to take a time out, uh, Cass. Well, listen, for those that choose to take the flu vaccine, that is your option. If you're looking, though, for alternatives, we'll talk a little uh, wild oregano. Not just for the flu, for a lot of different things. We'll find out what the protocol is and how it works. Back with more of my conversation with Dr. Cass Ingram. The cure is in the cupboard right here on The Conspiracy Show. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Dr. Cass Ingram is with us. The cure is in the cupboard. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. That's Psalms 51, chapter 51, verse 7. Hyssop, that's oregano oil, isn't it, Dr. Cass? Yes, and they used to do that, by the way, with the oregano, or we call it that in England, oregano oil. They used to emulsify it into the olive oil and and scrub it on the skin. The ancient Greeks, there was a cargo ship uh, in Chios that they uncovered. It was, I don't know, 500 B.C., 
and it had 2,000 amphora of olive oil with the oil of oregano in there. And this was the habit of the ancient Greek, was to scrub this all over the body. So you would be clean of microbes, is basically what that means. So yes, if we want to do something productive for our children or our elderly or our vulnerable people or ourselves for uh, combating the flu, and it's, it's a real concern if you, know, if you got into a, a bad condition and, and then you get hospitalized and then you get inhalers given to you, steroidal drugs, antibiotics, tubes, IVs, scary stuff, that you'd want to avoid that, and you could avoid that with natural remedies. You don't need to get the shot. This is the option. I mean, there's probably no way on earth that if you took advantage of oil of wild oregano, that you know you're just not going to get the flu in the first place. But you could also use it to treat it. It's basically a go home and get rest and drink chicken soup disease. You see. Mm-hmm. So we're not saying anything against the medical profession to say that if that happens to you, you need to find out my top three home remedies. Number one is the wild oregano oil. What's the protocol? I mean, how do you take it to treat, well, to treat the flu? I don't or want prevent people to not get the results. So I will say that what I use is the Oreganol P73, which is the original oil of oregano, the one that has been tested against the flu virus. And my clinical study, well, not, it's not a clinical study. It was an in vitro study. It's an important one. I'll get to that. But So if I could take the P73... Let's say I had a bad case of the flu strike me, or I had some kind of feverish illness, malaise and prostration. I'm really sick. I'm, it's obviously already through my system. I'm going to take the oregano, and I'm going to pound it. I'm going to take a dropper full every hour. Under the tongue? A dropper full. Yes, 40 drops. 40 I'm drops. I'm going to do that. 40 drops under the tongue, or can you dilute it in water? Under the tongue. If you want to dilute it, dilute it. If you want to put it in juice or water, I don't care how you get it down. Under the it, tongue is the best. Okay, because it kind of burns, right? It burns like mad. <laughs> yeah. But under the tongue, the, the, at least the P73 only burns temporarily. It doesn't have that tinny, obs, you know, obnoxious uh, element of some of the more, should I say, copycat types. But you would take that, or you could cut the dose in half, 20 drops, frequently minimum every hour if you want to speed things up and say i got work to do i don't have time for this i don't want to potentially get hospitalized take it every half hour Mm -hmm. you can take it as gel caps every hour every half hour you then take it and scrub it the old ancient greek technique on the bottom of the feet the top of the shins up and down the thigh top uh, up and down the spine and also take some and put it right over the top of the clavicle where the two lymphatic ducts dump. Mm-hmm. Hold it there, rub it there. Uh, you will get over. You you wouldn't even need the garlic soup or the raw honey or the vinegar or the elderberry. Those are great things. But if you just had the oil of oregano, maybe the gel caps, you'd pound it out. Now, if it was an extreme case, we've seen some extreme cases, and I've treated them this year, then you would use this oregoresp. And I don't say treatment like I'm going to treat everybody in the world, but people email me and I try to help them out. They're sick with the flu. So that multiple spice oregoresp, they they would take that also frequently. You say multiple spice, so it's not just oregano. What else is in there? Uh, cumin, which cumin. is great. Ah, we have yeah. we actually great science on the powers of cumin oil, and I'll get to that. Cinnamon oil, mm-hmm. and I believe sage, those four together with the oregano oil. Now, 
Now, I mentioned the science. I've done some pretty good work at Georgetown University, which we published with Harry Pruce, demonstrating that of all the different essential oils, the four or five most powerful for killing germs, whether bacteria or viruses or mold, are oil of oregano, which was number one. Number two was cumin. And they used to use cumin, of course, to prevent meat from soiling or spoiling, therefore the cumin and chili routine. Right. And, and cumin uh, is and in the curry, curry one when you was, get, what's that? When you buy it like a curry dish, that's cumin, right? Yeah, there's a lot of cu- cumin and curry, and there's a lot of cumin in the recipes of the Orient, yes. Hmm. Then you have the cinnamon, uh, and then sage, and allspice. Those are the most powerful germicidal essential oils. They do kill all pathogens. And what the beauty of this is, you mentioned Rappaport, you mentioned uh, the British Medical Journal, is sometimes you don't know what you have. You think it's the flu and you're treating it with antivirals or you're treating it with supportive care, but it happens to be some kind of suppressive sepsis that's brewing and just starting, a strep or a staph or some other, mm-hmm. and then that runs through your body. So it could be bacterial. Or it could be fungal. This is the big one that they're missing with the weather changes. There are many cases of people who have mold and fungal infections that are mimicking the flu, that are getting the bronchitis, they're getting the sinusitis, they're getting the chest pressure, they're getting the pneumonia symptoms, but it's actually fungal. Ah. You see? And if that's the case, then the antibiotics, the Tamiflu, the flu vaccine will worsen the condition and the patient could succumb. Whereas if we took the spice oils, they are antifungal. One study demonstrated that oil of wild oregano melts the fungal spores and melts the membrane of the candida and other fungus. So they just, they, it kills it, you see? Amazing. It's obliterate. I, I don't know if this is in the book, but I was just thinking, you know, because I was talking about hyssop in the Bible, because they, they also mention along with hyssop, you know, frankincense and myrrh. And Have you studied those as well? Well, there have been other investigators, and frankincense and myrrh are a little bit more towards topical. Some They can be taken in small quantities internally, but they are germicides, however, not as powerful as, as oregano oil. And then they, you look at the Bible specifically and only mentions as a purging agent uh, Aesop, which comes from the Hebrew Aesop, which means wild oregano. Hmm. So it's the kingpin. Now, your Quran comes in and says, honey is a medicine for all mankind, and we know that honey is a big germicide. So I mentioned my top three as far as when people are sick with winter illnesses, it's going to be the oil of wild oregano, second, um, potentially multiple spice supplement based on the data demonstrating the cumin, you know, sage, oregano, cinnamon, which is, which, which that is available in a supplement, and then the raw honey. If we just use those three. Now, if we want to support that, we can do a cider vinegar. We can do some citrus juice, freshly squeezed. We can do some squeezed lemons because the vitamin C is very, you know, very productive, mm-hmm. very helpful. We might do a bit of elderberry, but right. I'm not going to take a risk. I'm telling you this. I'm not going to rely on orange juice, lemon juice, and elderberry. If I've got a full-blown... Mutated flu, which is almost trying to occur this year. I think we're going to defeat that, though. You know, the kind of 1918 type syndrome. I hope so. Yeah. Um, 
it's not going to quite happen. Okay, not that it couldn't happen. Right, it happened before. Why, why wild oregano? Why, like I can't just grow the oregano in my garden. And... Yeah, you can't. You, if you, you know, it's not going to produce that much medicine when it grows in a, that kind of climate. It really grows only in the mountains of the Mediterranean. That that's the quality material, and so that's extracted and turned into a proper supplement as drops, as capsules, and and uh, you know and. I'm very fortunate. I know what to do. You would know what to do if you study the the books and stuff. If you want to, that's up to you. But, but if again, if I got sick, I'd be pounding the oil, the oregaris. I go ahead and eat the raw honey because it's really good for the gut, especially if you have viral gastroenteritis. Oh, it's great for the throat too. Yeah, just oh, fantastic for the throat and yeah. good for pneumonia. Yeah, I'd be I'd be trying to get some citrus in. I'd be doing the clear broths and soup. And I, I might do a bit of elderberry, might, might not. But uh, I might, I, I would rather actually do the oregano juice. Yeah, now, this is interesting. Okay. When I was in Turkey, mm-hmm. this is very interesting. Okay, so I'm there with the village chief. Now, the village chief is a doctor, too. You know how it goes, mm-hmm. right? So I, I, he says, why are you interested in oil of oregano? And then, you know, he's saying this in Turkish, of course. He's, he pulls out a bottle and he says, this is what we use. He's got a Pepsi bottle with a cork in it. And in that Pepsi bottle, he's got a whole case. You know those old wooden cases? Yeah. It's, it's oregano juice, which is really the steam extract. So they, they, they take the steam and condense it, and they drink that. I said, well, what do you use it for? Well, I've been using it, by the way, for pneumonia and flu and cough and congestion and as a supportive to the you know, flu and all that. But oh, we use it for cancer, heart disease, diabetes. I said, what do you want to do, get me killed and come back and say <laughs> they cures all that stuff? No, can't do that. Yeah. So, I mean, you're not going to get sick from a seasonal illness or die if you had my knowledge base. Now, what, when we have someone in the house that gets sick and, you know, goes around or whatever, we, I mean, we go after that, we wipe everything down, you know, doorknobs and kitchen counters and bathroom counters and all of that. We just clean, 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 just yeah. to make sure it doesn't come around again. Can you, instead of using, you know, like bleach and all of that, can you use... Use oregano oil. You can use that to clean as well? Put it in with a little light soap. And a few drops, or use the spray. There's the spray, Germacleanse, uh, uh, I think it's called, out there. Mm-hmm. You can buy that, and you mist that in the air. I actually tested that raw material. That's cumin, oregano, and, and, and uh, cumin, oregano, and cinnamon. I tested that at Celsius Labs, and it obliterated the germs in the air just by spraying it up towards the ceiling. And then as it drifted down, it killed the germs on the doorknobs and, the, you know, the, the cutting boards and what have you. Uh, it's extremely effective. Celsius Labs, 99.9% destruction of airborne pathogens. So I would hunt that down um, and uh, start, start uh, you know, using that around the house. Like if somebody's sick like a dog and they come to my door or something like that, I spray them with it. <laughs> you know, I, I cook them with the spice. Dose them with holy water with oregano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, 
if as a preventative, let's say, you, you know, one of the worst places is being on a plane, that terrible mm. air, and you're in close quarters with people hacking and wheezing, or you're on the subway, you're packed into a Dangerous. subway. Uh, if you, and I see, I see some people, you know, this time of year, they were, they wear a surgical mask. Could yeah. you, could you spray the inside of a surgical mask with like the, um, a mist of the oil of oregano? You could do that. You could put the oil of oregano on a little mister. You could use this germaclens material, another one out there, oregano spray, about the same stuff. And, uh, you could take a little two ounce bottle. Oh, you can't have three ounces, but you can have two ounces. Okay, whatever. Put your two ounce bottle in your in your pocket or bag or something. Take your oil of oregano. And you know what I do with the uh, radiation boys at the airport? I say, just hand check this. I don't ask them. I said, I need this hand checked. Mm -hmm. Use my words. I need this hand. I'm not yelling at them. I need this hand checked. Uh, so you take your oil of oregano, your germaclense, what have you, uh, your oregoresp. If you're going to do my kit, and you just have them hand checked that. Uh, and you take your oil of oregano, you take your multiple spice capsules, you use your spray, and, I mean, that's what I do. I'm just not going to rely on something that could be weak, especially when you're dealing with the airplane, TB and maybe some kind of flu. I don't think I'm going to wear the mask, though. Right, know. right. Um, now, you know, we, we've got some mild weather up here right now, but, you know, we'll probably get slammed again. And, you know, people yeah. go out in the cold. I, a couple of weeks ago, we had a cold spell, and I was outside. I, w I shoveled the driveway four times in one day just so it didn't oh get, you know, too heavy. And, uh, you know, I was out there back and forth all the time, and I, one time I didn't go out there with my mitts. I didn't, you know, I didn't get, it wasn't too bad, but my hands were cold. Now, I'm seeing in the book Frostbite and Frostburn. Yes, it's very good for that. Yes, if you took the oil of oregano because it increases the microcirculation and rubbed it on the hands and then put your gloves on, or if you, yeah, if you got the frost burn, you'd still put it on. Mm -hmm. We've treated a couple cases of gangrene, and the gangrene's recovered. That's Seriously? pretty impossible. I mean, wow. they didn't lose their toes. Um, so, I mean, I think the Bible's correct in saying that it's a purge. Because there doesn't seem to be too much when it comes to emergency medicine that the oregano can't do. Mm. And uh, of course, what with the Lyme disease, I'm a miracle case yes, of that. Yes, you were in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah. It was a bad one. And some, oh, how did you get Lyme? Well, I wasn't doing anything. I was just in the woods for a week, okay? I wasn't taking my oregano. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, but, doctors are always the worst patients, right? Yeah, I know. Well, I like to do those double-blind studies where I just jump into something <laughs> like a septic soup or a lime, you know, tick zone or whatever. I don't know. But, I mean, I just love to, the thought that we're putting out there that people could have an alternative. We're not beating up on one way or the other. Right, right. But just like you said, so they know that you could use the honey, you could use oregano, whatever, Um uh, for these, what we really regard as a minor, you know, most of the time they turn people away from the emergency room. They're dealing with other stuff, with cold and flu. Right, right. I want to ask. Caused, yeah, go ahead. I want to ask you about ear uh, ear aches because uh, I remember one time we were over in uh, Greece and my one little guy he had a humdinger of a, uh, an earache. You know, he was in tears. Yeah. And I was trying to do anything, you know, everything I could to to, to pacify him and so forth. And in the middle of the night. And I thought, what do I have? What do I have? I had, yeah. The only thing I could think of was I heated up a little bit of olive oil. 
I warmed it up and I and I took a a, a Q-tip and I swabbed it in his ear and I said I have no idea if this is going to do anything but it can't wait <laughs> so I and yeah. and lo and behold uh after about 20 minutes the uh, the pain subsided and then I figured it I probably what had happened maybe there was a bit of water in there and with the oil in there it forced the water out or uh, what what what's that work Well there? it's uh, also uh, uh, olive oil has those phenolic compounds right. in it yeah and so it's a sort of a mild germicide but that's good news, and obviously if we would have had a little bit of the high-grade oil of oregano, we could have maybe bravely put a little of that on the Q-tip. shouldn't have been a problem at all. Rub the inside of the ear, rub the tragus, the soft part, rub around the mastoid process constantly with the oregano and take it down the hatch. In any kind of eustachian tube or mastoiditis or otitis, it's going to take that out. The odyssey is you could be right about the water because we now know that fungi and mold are a big cause of otitis media. Hmm. Yeah. How about things like, you know, there's nothing worse in the inside of your mouth than a cold sore. All right. You could still use the oregano for that. You could also use this germacleanse and pump some of that into that cold sore, uh, onto the cold sore or the canker sore. You can use the raw honey. Uh, for that, uh, and, and one of the best things for canker sores is propolis. Be propolis applied to, if you had a good quality one, uh, to the canker sore or cold sore will, will knock it out uh, quite quickly. But then so will a good quality raw honey, just keep applying it. Now we know for sure that oregano oil is extremely anti-herpetic. So that if you had herpes one or herpes two, I've got, I'm writing this book, The Herpes Cure. You can expect me to write that because I now have about 50 cases of genital herpes who I'm following and we're e- emailing back and forth. I put them on a protocol of about three things and they're doing very, very well. In some cases, they appear to have eradication, hmm. which is pretty miraculous because it's considered incurable because that's an intracellular pathogen at that point, right? Ah, okay. Listen, we've got to take a time out, Cass. When we come back, uh, I know we, we talked about, uh, you know, it's antibacterial, antifungal. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find out whether it's also antiparasitic. You know, people have things like ringworms and so forth. The cure is in the cupboard, the most ancient medicine of all. How to use wild oregano for better health, Dr. Cass Ingram is here. The book is fully revised and expanded. Back with more in a moment on The Conspiracy Show. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Good friend, Dr. Cass Ingram is uh, back with us. And uh, The Cure is in the Cupboard, which came out early 2000s, and uh, he's revised it and expanded it. Uh, and there's also a, um, an audio a CD you can get as well. If you don't want to read it, you can get the CD. Uh, now, oh, I was going to ask you about um, anti-parasitic uh, qualities because right. um, you know, people so, get things like ringworm. Uh, oil they... of oregano mm-hmm. is uh, fairly good for uh, for protozoans. So the amoeba or amoebic dysentery or amoebic colitis is really, 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 really good for as drops under the tongue. And then for Giardia and Cryptosporidium, uh, some kind of pinworm type things in children and certainly parasites in dogs and cats. But as far as the big ones, like tapeworm and roundworm and such odd, sometimes you need bigger guns. Hmm. 
or alternatives. So you might more go with the multiple spice type approach with cumin and cinnamon and sage because sage and cumin are also antiparasitic. So I would, if I had parasitic, I would, I would, I would do this oregaresp and the oil of oregano maybe as a one-two punch. I would also rub the oil of oregano all over the abdomen because you know that's where they're housed. Uh, so that's kind of an option that you could you could try that. And sometimes you need to to move in with some black walnut, some of the other artemisia, some of the other antiparasitics. Yeah, I use actually myself. I use the to- for patients and clients. I use the total body purge. I just have them drink two ounces a day for a month, and that usually knocks everything out. The side effect is they usually lose about 15 pounds off the front of their abdomen, you know, when they're all blown up like a balloon. Two uh, two ounces of oregano oil a day? No, it's two ounces of the total body purge. Oh. That's a liquid muck. Oh. It's mostly Canadian. Canadian nettle, Canadian burdock, Canadian dandelion, dandelion root with spice oils. It's kind of a muck with black seed oil. Another good antiparasitic is black seed oil. That goes back to Pharaoh in mm. the tomb. Right, so he had all that stuff, the twenty tons of honey and all the black seeds and so on. So they used to use black seed oil as a vermifuge for big cases of worms back in 500 B.C. Wow, or before that era. It's mentioned in the Bible. It's called curative black seed. The Prophet Muhammad said it cures everything but death. <laughs> Not too bad. I've just written the book, The Black Seed Miracle, because we found that black seed prevents heart disease. Hypertension, it reverses. Cancer, it's anti-tumor. And it helps prevent neurological decline. So that's almost everything. Where is, what is black seed? Well, that's nigella sativa. It's also a spice. It's a, it's a, it's a seed from a flower. It becomes black when it ripens. They press the oil, and the oil is the most popular form. Uh, uh, you've never tried that. No. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from Turkey. Mostly the good stuff, some in Egypt also, and they're growing there now on farms. But I should, I've got a, a dozen bottles, I'll send you some, and uh, and then you could try it for the family and see how you get along. Mm. I've noticed it helps with the elimination, you know, to prevent people to get plugged up. Right. We have some women that are using, there's something called black seed capsules with fennel and cumin. You keep hearing me talk about cumin. Cumin's going to be the new hero in the herbal medicine world. Black seed capsules with fennel and cumin oil, or oil of black seed, uh, and that kind of thing. But, uh, but you know, you use, you and I use the oregano. Yes. P73, oh, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Do, yes. do you, does your family take it like daily or something? No, no. I mean, um, uh, but I told you about um, my one little guy. He, um, this is, oh, maybe seven, eight years ago. Uh, he woke up with a, I mean, he was hallucinating. He had, his fever was so high, he was hallucinating, and he had that telltale cough, that whooping cough. Mm. And I thought, uh oh, we are in for it now. And so uh, I rubbed that. Uh, the um, the oregano oil on his shins and up and down his spine like you had told me to. Yep. The next day, like the the next morning, not 24 hours later, like the next morning, not a hint of a cough. I mean, when that's when it gets to that stage, when you have that cough, that I mean, you're in for it. There usually. could be in a hospitalization or yeah. drugs or misters. Yeah. This is a, it is a miracle. Yeah. No, the, uh, the 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 fever was gone. I mean, we're talking, you know, kids. They're it can be scary, but it's it's natural but too. But you know, you would do well if they got a couple of drops a day in their food. Yeah. 
especially with the crazy times. That's true. That's true. Uh, and uh, you know, some some of the people want to know well, what would be good daily stuff for children, and I would say it would be the oil and the Orega Max crude herb. The crude herb is just the wild high mountain oregano with a bit of garlic and onion pulverized into a capsule so that that's the ideal form, not strong at all, that, you know, in terms of like children, mm -hmm. pets, uh, but particularly children, toddlers, one and a half year old added to the food, one year old. Uh, for pregnant women who want something, they oh, this is no problem with pregnancy and all that. Although oil of oregano, if you get a good quality oil of oregano, 100% wild, low time all, it's not an issue during pregnancy. Small amount. All right, we'll take one final time out, come back, and uh, continue to delve into the cure in the cupboard. Dr. Cass Ingram, back with more. Stay with us. If you're sure your phone isn't tapped, Call now, 416-360-0740, or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Always great to have a visit from Dr. Cass Ingram. The Cure is in the Cupboard. Fully revised, expanded edition, and also available as a, a CD. Uh, I was reading in here, this was surprising to me. Uh, and that is uh, root canal. You can avoid root canal. Who doesn't want to avoid root canal? Uh, yeah. How does that? What's the protocol there? Well, that's very important because uh, if you get a root canal, then you've got a dead socket and a dead tooth, and that's a foreign body to the body. So that's the last resort, really. And and so use the oregano as a as a root canal uh, as alternative. You just take the oil. You saturate a bit of cotton, you've got the tooth involved there, and you stuff it up against gum and cheek and leave it there overnight. Or you can just keep applying it over and over and over again to kill that infection zone so that maybe you can retain the tooth. Now, some people have to get the tooth pulled if it's really you know, mm -hmm. diseased and such odd. But then I would still use the oil of oregano in that process. Um, and you can use the oil of oregano as a dentifrice. Just put it on the toothbrush with your toothpaste, and it'll sterilize the mouth, uh, you know, at least keep the germ count down, help re reverse the plaque. Ah, you know, interesting. It's, it's good that way. Could you use it as a mouthwash? Uh, yes, you can. You can take it with a bit of salt water, shake it up real good, and use it as a mouth rinse. There is actually a great oregano-slash-sage-based mouthwash and toothpaste on the market. Hmm. I carry the toothpaste with me. It's in a German-style push-up thing where you push on it and it keeps sucking it up. You stand it on the counter. And I think it's called Oregafresh. Uh, no, uh, yeah, Oregafresh. And then the mouthwash, I don't remember the name. But they're both Orega-based products. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about hearing loss because um, I was reading where, you know, a lot of hearing loss is just is middle ear infection. That's true. And, uh, I mean, is that is that also for the elderly, too, or is that mainly for younger people? No, it can be even with the elderly, like, you know, where, and there can be lymphatic congestion and uh, the, the inner ear can be attacked. I've had a couple cases, I published one in my book, where the hearing came back through oil of oregano, and they were actually putting it in their ear. Now, I don't know if that's really medically indicated, but... 
Uh, certainly you can take the Q-tip and rub it on the inner ear. You can rub it on the tragus and, and so on. Take it under the tongue would be probably just as effective. I would give it a go and decongest the area at least. And um, I would think it would help in most cases. There are other things. You can be deficient in B-complex with hearing loss. You can have... Uh, Oh, circulation problems, heavy metal poisoning, lots of possibilities there. But viral infection of the auditory nerve is possible. Hmm, okay. Um, now, we're not thinking about this right now, but spring is just around the corner, and with the spring uh, and the summer come the wasps and the bees and the spiders. Well, oh, the oil of oregano is king there. Yeah. If you can have a bottle of the super strength around, and maybe the spray we talked about, and if you did get hit with a hornet or a wasp or a bee or uh, then you just saturate that area repeatedly or poison ivy any kind of venom or toxin keep saturating for that matter if you eat a venom or poison i mean by that if you have an allergy reaction or you eat a peanut and you're allergic or if you have an anaphylaxis or if you eat a gmo number one cause of anaphylaxis right now is genetically engineered food it's poison you know i have a new book on that another topic but you eat that, you get shock reaction, your throat closes off, you don't know what to do, your tongue swells. Now you hear it from me. You need the oil of oregano under the tongue immediately. Okay, sister, myself, I'm deathly allergic to celery. I'm in Canada. My good friend, you know, from the Raptors, Rory Mullins, a nice guy. He, gets, he brings me a huge glass and says, Doc, you're seeing too many clients and helping too many people. You're dehydrated. Drink this. Uh -oh. I drink it, and I, my throat closes off. It was a glass of celery juice. I didn't, I didn't know you could be allergic to celery. It's 90% water, 99% water. I know, but it has this toxin in it. Oh, really? <laughs> and uh, it's a furocumarin. It can be poisonous. So I take the oil of oregano. I couldn't talk. I said, oil. He brings it over to me, and I drank half the bottle, and I, I saved my own life. <laughs> I do you normally have, like, an EpiPen for that? No, I never knew I could. Who's going to drink a half a glass of celery <laughs> juice? <laughs> you know? But I have had to do with other patients who've had reactions, and before they ended up in the ER, we were able to shut it down with the oregano oil. You mentioned GMO. Is, is, is GMO tainting oregano? GMO, the problem with GMO, is, is it changing the oregano business, you say? Yeah, I mean, is it, is it now, are there, are, is it contaminating, yes, is it contaminating? Uh, we don't know how, it's hard to pin it down, because the GMO boys are going underground, they're not telling everybody now. Uh, but, I was contacted by some genetic engineers in 1999, they said, look, Ingram, Mr. Oregano, we need you to promote our new product. We're biogenetically engineering oregano, rosemary, and sage here at the university. This was on the East Coast. I won't reveal where. And uh, so, so get on board and help us promote it. Now, I never even responded to it. But I started to analyze, you know, gas chromatographies of oreganos because people would say, well, it's not working, or I had a reaction. And I'm finding some suspicious things. Now, North American Urban Spice, first of all, you're okay with that, the oregano people. They still have their own extraction overseas. They picked the wild oregano and extracted. So we looked at their gas chromatography, and they had 33 active ingredients in the gas chromatography of the oregano oil. You got my drift? 
Yeah. I found four brands on the Canadian market that only had five or six active ingredients. How do you have five or six active ingredients when there's 33 in nature? Mm. We haven't been able to prove it. But I was, the Israelis, when I went to the conference in Turkey, said we're genetically engineering oregano, and the United States said we're genetically engineering oregano, but nobody can prove it. <laughs> I want four. Here's what they're doing. They're taking the oregano stalks, you know, like in a greenhouse, mm -hmm. injecting it with pseudomonas, genetically engineered pseudomonas, to make it make more carvacrol. And then they're claiming, oh, we have 90% carvacrol, but there's no 90% carvacrol in nature. This is the problem we're dealing with. Hmm. The carvacrol can only be at the maximum 84% or so. So anything that claims to be, you know, 88% is a hoax, that's all. Don't take it. 90%, uh, no way. I'm seeing a lot of commercials now for treatments for psoriasis. I mean, I feel for these people. Oh, the psoriasis is terrible. Yeah. Now, I had that, you know, when I had that immunosuppression problem years ago, when I got the IV needle stick, when we discovered the oil of oregano, but the oil of oregano didn't cure it for me. You know what cured my psoriasis? Chaga. Chaga, right, from the birch bark. The wild chaga, these poor people, I'm going to have to write a book on the psoriasis, I guess. But it's in the cures in the forest anyway. The wild chaga, in a raw form, will take out psoriasis without anything else in most cases. As a topical? Well, what I do with people, I say, get some chog o power drops. Chog-o power drops, okay? Get some chaga capsules, Chaga Max capsules, because it's raw. Take six capsules or more a day, take the drops under the tongue, and if you want, it's messy, saturate a telfa pad and tape the drops against the lesion. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. I, you know how difficult it was for me to speak about health and have a psoriasis patch on my elbow. Right, right. Somebody saw it once and said, Hey, if you're so healthy, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> so. Right. Now explain so, what chaga is. Chaga is the gnarly, knobby growth on birch trees found in the far north, which is in the kind of a mushroom family, but it's hard, and it's a, what we call a sterile conch. It's eating the, the sap of the birch, and it's producing itself all this oxygen, superoxide dismutase, producing catalase, producing beta-glucan, producing rare trace minerals, geranium, rubidium, cesium. And God knows, nobody knows, but we think it's those rare trace minerals along with the betulinic acid and the beta-glucan. And it's got melanin in it, you see? So chaga is really good for skin diseases, vitiligo. And it's only on it's only on the birch tree. Only on the birch tree. What is it like? Almost like scar tissue for trees. I mean, if the tree gets scarred, or if it gets damaged, or if it loses a big branch and it's got a scar, the chaga will come in there. Right. Right. Almost like a band aid in that sense. Mm -hmm. But it's an odd thing that if the if the tree dies, the chaga dies. It's not like a fungus. You know, the fungus will keep living. Right. Right. If the chaga dies. If you if you scrape off all the chaga too aggressively, you can kill the tree. Hmm. See, 
So it's kind of a symbiotic relationship. But the Native Americans were so kind to me when I went up to see them in Flin Fon, and I started this whole Chaga revolution, but it was thanks to those brothers. So I saw the Aboriginal people. I bought a bunch of stuff from them, and they said, well, why don't you talk to me about Chaga? We have some. We pick it. And and I thought, well, I don't know anything about it. This was like 10 years ago. You never heard of Chaga back then, did you? No, no. So, oh, well, we use it to cure cancer. I said, do you want to get me put in jail? <laughs> so I bought it all from him. And then about four or five years later, I said, you know, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't feel like writing books anymore. I don't feel like doing anything. I'm dead. And I can't even stand being in front of a computer. I'm going to try this chaga, which my native brothers said. So I made a tea. I ground it up with birch bark, just intuitively. And then I made the drops, which are now on the market. Thank God for the good people at North American. And and you know what? Uh, I woke up the next morning at 5 in the morning, and I was looking for stuff to do around my house. So I cleaned my closet. I've been wanting to do it for about four years. At 5 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I call it my get more done tonic. All I right, get more, get out, more out of Dr. Cassing and squeeze him. <laughs> Well, we've squeezed all the time we can out of the uh, the showcast. We're out of time. But again, it's The Cure is in the cupboard. It's the revised, expanded edition and uh, the CD, the audio CD. You want CDs. a website so people yeah. can look at what this stuff looks like? Yes. www.americanwildfoods.com. Americanwildfoods.com. Have a look. Hey, study it. Look into it, people. You know. All right. Thanks, Dr. Cass. Bye-bye. Until next time. All right, my thanks to Ian, Albert, and Ryan. Back next week with uh, Kevin Estrella, Pyramids on Mars. And uh, we'll also talk to a, a medical intuitive and uh, evidential uh, medium. We'll find out what that means as well. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home.